Welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. My name is Richard Miller. I'm one of the hosts and my co-host. Well, what other way to introduce him than if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Luke Gledall. Uh, how are you doing today, Luke? I'm good. Please, uh, by all means, please do not call me if something goes wrong in your neighborhood. Uh, please call any relevant authority uh, that can help. If there's something weird and it don't look good, who are you going to call? Luke Again, Gledall. Not, not me, not me. <laughs> just, just to clarify. It gets really, it really derails that song when you look at the lyrics. If you're seeing things running through your head, who are you going to call? Luke Vettel. An invisible man <laughs> sleeping in your bed. Oh, who are you going to call? Oh, Gledel. Uh, if you're all alone, pick up the phone and call Luke Gledel. Yeah. Maybe I can help in that. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and the last one is <laughs> add a dose of a freaky ghost. Baby, who are you going to call? You better call Luke Gledel. Yeah, anyway, so um, <laughs> I'd just like to immediately, you know, take the episode directly off the rails. I think that's the way to go with these. Can I... So I believe we have a missive from uh, from the ERL network. Yes, long-time listeners know that we've um, we've had plenty of intros for some of the fantastic podcasts on the ERL network. And uh, frankly, they've just been going from strength to strength without any kind of new additions. But I'm happy to say <clears throat> that today we have a new addition to the ERL stable. If you had a stable of owls, I guess. Would you have a stable of owls? I think we would. Mm. Anyway. Sanctuary, I think they tend to get called. But anyway, yeah. I prefer a stable. Okay. So, on, on Burton O'Brien Needs a Friend, everyone's favourite below-average mid-naughty Scottish midfielder for the owls, Burton O'Brien, has an in-depth interview with fellow Scottish player who have, players who have played for the mighty Sheffield Wednesday. Featuring Scott Starlets such as Steve Nicholl through to Mark Reynolds, Burton gets to the heart of playing for the Owls, but being from a too-far-north persuasion over a bannock cake and a Tunnock's caramel wafer. <laughs> Stay tuned every week to even feature Wednesday's current haggis munchers, culminating the most Scottish of them all, the man who puts works up next to Wes Kilbride, Mr. Liam Jordan Palmer. <laughs> Subscribe today to the newest edition to We're Owl that will make you say, Okai, a new episode. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Um, it's it's another tremendous series. I mean, this is the thing with the Air Owl Network. Everything they knock out of the park. Every, even, you know, slightly odd concepts. They just take it and, and run with it and uh, and they make it work. And this is no exception. Burton O'Brien, um, yeah, Scottish and South African mixed together. Um, that famous mix. And uh, yeah, bringing his bringing his skills to bear. Much a much better interviewer, I have to say, than a uh, than a than a midfielder, attacking midfielder, which uh, he was very limited at in that role. Well, yeah, thanks so much for that, Luke. Um, moving swiftly along, we uh... breaking hoo hoos. We bring ourselves to the the breaking hoo hoos, breaking news section. Um, there's obviously a rather large. A uh, bit of news uh, <laughs> that's come out this week, um, and we are going to discuss that towards the end of the podcast. We're going to ha- we're going to stick with the um, the original uh, format that we laid out, and then we will we will we will sink our teeth into the uh, issues with the, uh, <laughs> the the football league 
uh, a bit later. Uh, Rich, what what so uh, what was that noise just then? That, that's the great wobbling asterisk that will sit above us during the the the, the, the at least the first half of this conversation. <laughs> um, slightly brighter news wise, uh, we're in the international break, so we saw a tremendous uh, goal from Atty Nuiu for his uh, mm-hmm. his countrymen. <clears throat> And disappointed for him that he didn't get the three points for Kosovo to take them into a leading second place position behind England in that group. Um, so I think that was pretty much done and dusted since they lost to the Czechs. Mm. Not that I really care a great deal about international football. No. But uh, today, obviously, as well, in addition to the fine goal that Adi knew you scored. Um, yeah. <laughs> which is a brilliant absolute peach of a diving header so from the edge of the chills. box as well it was a real it was a treat it was magic and um and then mr you know the the prime guest on burton o'brien needs a friend liam jordan palmer um put in a fine 5.38 performance i think it was according to yeah. the bbc match ratings which rich and i were discussing just before the podcast um apparently he nearly scored a goal as well he unleashed a shot which deflected over so um yeah, that's a positive. Congratulations to to Liam Palmer on his maybe I think it's his third cap or second cap for, for yeah. Scotland now. And that's it. Yeah, that 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 uh, five point three eight rating puts him as the uh, the fifth best performer in the match against Cyprus. So they are clearly marking a lot harsher than we tend to do on the <laughs> <laughs> on the BBC uh, website. But yeah, five five point three eight putting him ahead of uh, Forrest. And, uh, yeah, Burke, McBurney. So there you go. Uh, so the plan for today was to look ahead to January. Um, and, uh, sorry, there it is again. I'm just going to try and... To, to not, we're going to look ahead to January. Obviously, we're going to be right there in the playoff conversation. Um, we've had some, you know, rumours that we might add three three players to the mix. So it was to look ahead to January and see what we might want to add uh, in January to to round out the squad and uh, and make us an even more formidable contender in that conversation, which we will definitely still be in um, because, yep, it's all going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> so. So Luke, I believe you sort of you've you've picked out um, sort of areas you think we we need to strengthen. Do you want to do that? Should we go back and forth, sort of do one at a time? Yeah, let's do that. And I think um, from kind of recent conversations with current situations, um, I think the first thing we need to improve is the goalkeeper situation. Mm. Uh, so it, it's a really difficult one to kind of look at in terms of um, I haven't really kind of highlighted any great personnel. It's, it's one of those things that I often think with life is that you really trust that you think there are greater minds to sort problems out um, than your own on, on yes. bigger levels. And sometimes maybe in light of things like, I don't know, global warming, uh, wars, maybe there isn't. Um, yes. But in terms of sort of scouting for football players, I'm, I'm sure um, Gary and his team, including, um, who's the name of our... I want to say, is it Wally Downs or am I thinking David Downs? Wally Downs was a guy who was, I think, part of one of um, Warnock's backroom staff who I think played uh, for Wilden, and it was a bit. Who was, I think he was original part of the the Crazy Gang. I think that was his his bag. But no, um, 
David Downs is our kind of okay. kind of scouting. So I I kind of trust that there are people there. But it, it seems a difficult one because for for a lot of kind of if you're looking to bring in loan players, a lot of times you're thinking about who are the young upcoming youngsters we can nab for a season or half a season from a Premier League side who we can kind of help give them a bit of a platform to showcase their talents and we can kind of get more kind of benefit and real upside than we can from maybe an older player who we know more about. And the interesting thing is about the goalkeeping situation is we need a long-term option. We need someone who's going to come in who's going to be, you know, maybe it would be a full transfer, but someone who can really be our future number one because it it's looking increasingly like it's maybe just a year or two too far for Kieran Westwood. Yeah. Which I, is kind of heartbreaking. I was having a little look at, you know, sort of better keepers that aren't getting games in the Premier League. Mm. Um, maybe that's a fairly limited way to look at things, but um, Bailey Peacock-Farrell, who was at Leeds last season and played the majority of the season for for them. He's mm. uh, he's not played. He's he's not played anything. I think he played one cup game for Burnley. Um, so potentially could be the sort of person that might. You know, he's young enough that he probably would like to get out and play some games. Uh, so that's a potential option. Uh, Danny Ward is at Leicester City, and he mm. he was the he was the Huddersfield goalie when they they got promoted. Um, including playing both legs against Wednesday in the uh, in the in the playoff semi-finals, um, he's he got that move to Leicester and hasn't he's barely played any football the last couple of years. So, the only actually Danny Ward was a name I kind of I mean this is the interesting thing with the standard is at what point do you do you feel you need free keepers? It is tricky. I was surprised how few decent looking keepers were sat on Premier League benches actually. I think for there was a time when they were almost ten a penny. <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Um, it, it does feel like it's changed considerably. They tend to have a, a kind of either somebody so young that you'd be taking a real gamble, and there's no saying that they would be any better than Westwood or, or Dawson in in the current situation, um, or it's somebody who is pretty old. You know, Scott Carson's um, on 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 a Premier League bench now. Uh, Lee Grant is on a Premier League bench. Um, I think Begovic is still there, and he's like 39 years old. So mm. they're very much people who are just warming a spot. Well, it was also funny. I was also looking at kind of some of the free market players. I was <laughs> lamenting to Rich Price this podcast every kind of lazy search for a young, promising goalkeeper or exposition just led me down a rabbit hole with FIFA players and players that people wanted to suggest to sign in FIFA, which are just um, really, really teased me off. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I found on some of the free markets, if we wanted to go for the the ripe old Julian Speroni at mm-hmm. the age of 40, then he's still available. But uh, <laughs> I I don't think we need some someone who's that old. You know, I think you really want someone who's probably late 20s, the real prime of their goalkeeping career, as opposed to someone like Kieran Westwood, who's kind of exiting that that age group right now. Yes, the um, the other one that caught my eye was uh, because he's not played any football at all this season. Uh, was Carl Darlow? He's. I was U- actually thinking of Darlow because I actually sorry did previously think of Darlow because we were actually linked with him at one point as well. Yeah. Well, I've always thought. He looked like a pretty good goalkeeper. I mean, you never know um, until you're watching them. When you, you until you are watching them week to week. Um, 
But I've always been pretty impressed by Darlow, particularly during his time at, at Forest. He was very good at Forest, yes. So, I mean, that it's hard to say because you might be jumping from, you know, one fading option to another. But he's 29, so he's he, he, you'd think he's got a good bit of time on his side, you know, good, a good sort of three, four years. Um, and, yeah, as far as I know, still a very good goalkeeper. Um, and he's 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 been on loan back to the championship since Newcastle got promoted. Potentially, they might be open to that again. Um, although we could end up with half the uh, half the Newcastle reserves if <laughs> if some some of the other some, the, the other possibilities come come together. Um, okay, so I, I'm in agreement. To be honest, goalkeeper was my first place mm-hmm. I looked. Um, and I did want to say, regard Danny Ward, I did see the fact that Leicester are potentially looking at another goalkeeper. So Danny Ward could potentially be very, very viable. And I think he's a good age. I think he's still young. I think he's twenty, like uh, mid twenties. Um, I'll double check. I was uh, <laughs> yeah, twenty six years old, Danny Ward. So right in the prime, really. A Wrexham youngster. There you go. Gets better and better. <laughs> So, so Danny Ward it is then. Danny Ward is sorted. We will send the email to Gary now. <laughs> <laughs> but no, you're you're right because he doesn't even seem to be the he doesn't even seem to be the second choice there now. I think they've got another keeper there. So it seems to be even you know on the odd occasion where Schmeichel doesn't play, they go for another option. So it must be a pretty frustrating time for him just sitting there doing doing nothing um so okay. there's an interesting question in terms of goalkeepers just at the premier league level which is just getting outside the conversation was i mean so manchester united lent out you know dean henderson to the blavdis yes. um with you know but obviously they've got you know they've got de gea they've got the other chap and they've got lee grant romero or something is romero it? sergio romero yes I don't know. Is that a film director? I don't know. I don't know. I think he, he's on the bench, but it's also kind of working out the storyboards for some spaghetti Western at the same time. Um, so they, they also so they had four goalkeepers, and obviously I think the upside was basically, you know, Dean Henson can get games at a higher level and probably keep doing more for his kind of future. I'm wondering in the regards of basically looking at you know, Peacock Farrell, the third goalkeepers, you need three goalkeepers, I think. But I'm also curious to whether there's any names kind of behind that that can be the third goalkeeper. Well, you've got to think that there's behind the squad players are are youth players for these these big teams. Mm. So Burnley have um, they have their first choice goalkeeper and uh, Joe Hart is still there. Joe Hart is backup keeper, which. Well, maybe in previous times is a lot stronger backup keeper option than you know recently. Yeah, but you'd still think as a, as a kind of second string, uh, probably not not too, not too bad a choice to call on. So Nick mm-hmm. Pope is their first choice goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they were going to helpfully give me a list of all their goalkeepers. That would have been good of them, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> they got Bailey Peacock, Farrell. They got Joe Hart. They got Adam Leg Leds Legsdins. Who's sort of been around a bit? He's thirty-two years old. Oh yes, he's goalie for a long time. Uh, so that, I mean, they've got a bit of an embarrassment of riches. So potentially, and it's, and it's a long-term signing for Peacock Farrell, right? So I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't see why he couldn't 
he couldn't come out. So that could well be an option. I think just having the confidence of knowing that there are potential options that we could go for is is something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my ne- my next sort of position to, to look at strengthening was, I've said physical midfielder. I don't know what I mean by that. Probably just tall. <laughs> A tall midfielder. <laughs> I think essentially we've got Hutch that can do Hutch's role and then that's it really we're a bit limited if he well I mean Joey P can do Joey P's role it's just uh, you don't really want Poe's Joey P's role (laughs) (laughs) it's different isn't it I think they would both describe themselves as defensive midfielders but they play the game in quite a different way Um, Mm. and Pessi, it's a lot of hard work to kind of keep up with things in that midfield whereas Hutch with his his sort of pace and and height um, makes a lot of what he does look effortless um, as he, you know, launches into a scything tackle. Uh, So like I say, I'm not a hundred percent sure what I really mean there, Uh, but it's just felt, you know, with Luongo being out, Hutch being out, uh, we start to look a little bit thinner in that midfield than, than maybe we would like, particularly if we're playing three players there more often than not. Uh, so you go from having five feels like a good number if you're playing two. It's slightly less than one per uh, two per position if you're playing three in the middle. Uh, and we've had Hutch drop into centre-back previously. Uh, so I don't know. Looking around, this was a bit harder. I think goalkeepers was fairly easy to look at because it's such a specific role. Um, McDonald, Kevin McDonald, I know there's the his history uh, coming from the piggies, but he doesn't seem to be playing much football at all. I don't know whether that's because of injury or not. Um, in a similar bag is is Lansbury from Villa, but I don't know whether he quite mm. old. He's tall, <laughs> but he is more creative, I would say. But then maybe that could work as well. Um, what do you? Th- what was your sort of other position you were you were looking at? Well, that is that is the main position, I guess. So I, I'm I'm going to. I feel like we maybe got the same position, say without uh, probably we, uh, without actually kind of uh, consider. It. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but I, I guess it's, it's an interesting thing is to look at if we're looking back to front from the rear guard forward of the pitch. Um, I guess the interesting thing now is if if we're limited for three options. Or if we're further yeah. limited, as we'll get on to. Mm. Um, I feel defensively we're not that bad right now. No. Because I guess previously the interesting thing was, um, you know, we, we felt the kind of right-back berth was a bit questionable. Um, but then I, recent times, I think Odebaje has done pretty well. I think he's a little bit unfortunate to be out of this, out of the first-team pitcher. Yeah. Um, Palmer's just been playing as good as he was at the last end of last season, which is fantastic. Mm. Wondered if we'd have a bit of a hangover from contracts. Uh, Morgan Fox has come back into the pitcher and is right now touch wood doing doing pretty well absolutely and then i mean also and then the fullback berth we also have the possibility as well as of the barjo to kind of come in and cover that we've you know there's a potential of i offer even though i wouldn't want to take i offer anywhere out of center back no, right no. now which is an incredible thing to say going on it's just he was just fantastic at ryback i thought he was just everything yeah that i felt I, I think I can kind of forgive and be initial a bit more predisposed to maybe it's that kind of four four two mentality, but the um you know, the marauding nature down the right, which I offer brings with his pace. Yeah. Was something very good considering we've been very weak in the attacking fullback sense. 
<clears throat> especially after the departure of Jack Hunt. Um, so, yeah, so that's a weird thing to say is that defensively, I think we're good. We've got coverage at centre-back. Um, we still don't know how good David Bates is. And no. I feel Thornley's a little bit unfortunate to not have had much of a sniff. Yeah. And to kind of miss out. Because I think he's... <clears throat> I think he's pretty good for a limited player. I think he's a bit limited, but I think he's pretty good for a limited player. I'll be honest. Yeah, I th- I'd agree. I think we've not we've not seen much to to sort of worry us about Thornley. It's you know it's not like oh he's he's a young player he has a tendency to do X and that gets us in trouble. It, it, he he's been very solid when he's played, if unspectacular. And maybe you don't want spectacular performances at centre back. <laughs> um, you know, quiet and steady is is pretty acceptable back there. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to say after a long time of thinking and always wanting some improvements and fullback, I think we're okay right now. We, we are. I think. I think you know if 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 you were able to build from the ground up, maybe you wouldn't pick Morgan Fox and and Liam Palmer out of you know out of the whole batch of fullbacks but they are certainly playing more than well enough for it not to be one of our big glaring issues squad wise yes. and there's, yes. and there's decent backup and certainly at center back i think we've got, we've got a bit of an embarrassment of riches which is really nice and i didn't that's something i didn't think at the start of the season we would be we would be anywhere near being able to say uh so yeah so definitely i agree i think right across that back four it feels like we've got players who are, who are, yeah. who are good form and backup if we need them in 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 every position even though it might m- lead to some awkward decisions if yes they yes. end up being i author so then i think it is definitely moving on to the center mid that's that's where i would say as well that's the biggest thing especially if we want to look at playing a 4-3-3 we're really exhausting sometimes numbers depending on who's available we've yeah. got five players three slots basically if we go for a, you know yeah so and we don't really have anyone else who can kind of come in unless you want to kind of put Adam Reach in there, which I wouldn't mind. I, I don't think is too bad a, an option. Yeah. Um, sometimes his industry and drive and legs through the middle are really good. Um, but maybe Monk doesn't see it that way, in which case, then, yeah, we definitely need a center mid. I would. <clears throat> so you, you said a powerful center midfielder. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I, I, the other possibility is is a more creative midfielder because at the moment we're very very reliant on Bannon in that position and we don't really have a natural second unless we co-opt reach from from the wing. So don't you think that? So here's the interesting thing I think we've talked about before is, <clears throat> and I think it's probably to do with my old draconian four four two brain that yes. I maybe kind of indoctrinated with. So I think and especially the prime of Wednesday in you know in the early 90s was really driven on very much a 4-4-2 mentality yeah with some great wingers but also partnerships across the board and if you look at as well the partnership up top you know with players there i think in center midfield i feel like and i could be wrong because it wasn't exactly a time i was seeing a lot of football and analyzing at you know the ripe age of nine ten years years old <laughs> but very much as a mentality of like you have your john sheridan who's the creative playmaker who's yeah. spraying the ball around and then your ball winners is the person to break up the play is carlton palmer yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was the partnership but i could well be corrected on that well, the classic um, example you've got the dogged perseverance of james o'connor and the the you know the, <laughs> that, that touch of class 
let the ball roll, run across your body and play that, pick out that perfect pass, Darren Potter. That's the classic combination, isn't it? That's what we all dream about. It's what we all want to aspire to. I completely forgot about Darren Potter. I just thought you were just going to get a bit of Sean McAllister love in there. So oh, No, I'm just we... picking out a fullback from ooh, 14 yards. Zip. <laughs> ooh, don't cross the halfway line. Do not cross the halfway line. Keep it it's moving. Like a, it's like a DHL advert where we pan out to the globe and it just a little bit of light just zips a very small amount just, of distance. On, just on the far around in Milton Keynes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, but there's a couple of puns in there. Which there's, were, there's I mean, one, there's one child in the in the in the crowd who the speed of the ball just gives his little quiff a little bit of a, <laughs> a little flutter. Like, ooh, what was that? <laughs> like a sudden, small, very specific gust of wind. It was Darren Potter's spraying the ball very quickly. Um, yes, but then I, I think the thing like we've often talked about is, hey, you know, we think about you know limited players. Yeah, we think about. And we've gotten, we're getting some fairly half decent juice, even though Joey P to a certain degree. Uh, it just depends whether you want those Joey P berries, like I'm saying, you know? Um, but I think we've talked about this before is that even some of the players that are combative midfielders, you know, a defensive midfielder who can really run things in the middle of a park, even some of the better ones do have a little bit more to their game in terms of creativity yeah. and something that they can pull out. So, I mean, why not? I, I, that would be my first thing is definitely, a, a, you say, a powerful midfielder. <coughs> excuse me, a combative midfielder. Mm. Would be something I'd say. I think yeah, we're talking about very similar more, things. Yeah, something a bit more well-rounded, maybe. Yeah, because, I mean, um, Hutchinson has a little bit of has a little bit of something to him. He does, yeah. At times. You know, a little bit of class. You can definitely see the fact that, you know, this this dog came from the Chelsea, Chelsea Dog Academy. <laughs> And he's technically a very good boy. Yes, he's well, techni- technically a very good boy. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I... Joey I, I, doesn't really have that. But then also then the trade-off is with Hutchinson is the man with his kind of legs. And I don't know, there, there must be some of a better reading of the game who in this kind of formation can break things up with the legs in industry, but also the vision to be in the right place at the time. We do need improvement on Hutchinson. As good as Hutchison has been. Yeah, yeah. Right. So third up, uh, we I guess we're both going goal scorer. Goal scorer, definitely. Yeah, striker, but definitely someone who can score. I think I'd be comfortable with someone who had. You know, we we talk about. I don't know. We've we've had this iteration a few times before because we are a, at Sheffield Wednesday. We are a semi-retirement home for players. I know. So yeah. you know, we had that with Jeffers being like, well, he's just you know, the legend of Jeffers becomes more than the actual you know his actual presence on the field and the mentality of being like, oh, if you get in around the box, he's gonna oh, he's gonna put it away. That six-yard box is where he lives, and he just finishes it well. Yeah. And and then a similar deal with Jordan Rhodes. But um, just in the nice, I'll say this in the nicest possible way, Richard. Justin Jordan Rhodes is just an absolute shell of a man. Yeah, there's just there's just nothing there, unfortunately. It's just a very expensive shell of a man. So if we could really have an upgrade on that with someone a bit of legs and confidence to just be in and around and just make things happen, I think that would be. We have the players that in a partnership or in or you know the battering rams in New You and Fletcher. And the players that can play second fiddle and do really well in that regards. But if we, yeah, if we had someone who basically someone with some finishing, 
not legs, just a, not pace really. So just a bit of legs, I would say. That would just, probably be my conditions for yeah, someone coming. Able to able to move. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it is. It has been a miracle that we've allowed. We found a loophole in the in the rules that um, for John Rhodes, we've managed to get a minder to push him around in a wheelchair for the game. <laughs> Uh, it's been miraculous. I didn't even know that rule existed. It's, some, uh, it's been some good work for the times that we have seen him. Well, first we tried one of those like hoverboards, but it just made too much noise and the ref could tell. Yes. So so just being silently pushed around by his ninja minder. Um, I, I, I think also the hoverboard was probably like sold out a little bit by the Back to the Future uh, music as well. <laughs> so having an Alan Silvestri score didn't really help things, I would say. <laughs> um, so I had, a... and you know, we we did start, we did the walk, the team did walk out to the Power of Love as well by Hugh Lewis oh. in the news. So that kind of kind of derailed things a little bit. Must be honest. It is hip to be square though. So, it's, uh, uh, <laughs> so I had a little look at possible names. The most obvious one and one we we've been sort of semi linked with, even if it feels like it's mainly out of. Um, hope rather than expectation is is Dwight Gale at Newcastle I thought you were going to say Dwight Gale yes <laughs> yeah uh, um, you know if we could do a twofer with uh, Carl Darlow and uh, and Dwight Gale we'd be doing all right from that January transfer window uh, I, I had just had a little look I, I presume he's injured because he always is but Connor Wickham is um, is still kicking about at, at uh at Crystal Palace and hasn't played any football so far this year. He's only 26 years old. I think we would need two minders for kind of working <laughs> to feel the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> He's he's a very he's a man who's been very injured. That's kind of Wickham, unfortunately, which is is heartbreaking for um, just how much we enjoyed his stint at Wednesday. Yeah, and then this is real pie in the sky stuff. But um, you know, Spurs bought Ryan Session injured, and maybe he would like a bit of time to uh, you know some football to readjust and <laughs> get better. Maybe. Um, but Ryan so, Session would be a fullback Ses- wing option, though, right? We played up front quite often for Fulham. He went went on. You know, you're not thinking of Stefan Sesson, yeah? No, no, no. He plays both. I promise. He? he got lots of goals last year. He's a sensation. He's a he's a winger left back. He can play up front. He can do the lot. Okay. <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you he table got... the loan. I'll, t- I'll let you table the loan bid, Rich, and I'll just. Okay. He got I'll 15... just sit back on that one. He got 15 goals uh, the season they went up from the championship. Uh, so I, I think he was playing up front at times during that. Uh, there's um, Jonathan Kodjia, or, or however you pronounce it, at Villa. Mm. Not playing any football. Um, that's that's about as far as my my research went, to be honest. Um, there's also Mooney, but I don't remember him being very good at Huddersfield. He's not playing at all. Oh yes, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't touch him. No. So. Yeah, it'd be nice to go there. That that's obviously going to be the most limited route because everybody wants a striker all the time. Yes. Yeah. Thankfully, uh, Neil Colin Warnock is out of the market for strikers for the time being, having lost his mm. his post at uh, Cardiff. So he's a he's a constant threat when it comes to trying to poach a striker. <laughs> he might sign one just to wash the dishes. He's telling his wife, "We've got to have some options." <laughs> You might want to go long. <laughs> Don't know what that involves when it comes to washing dishes. Did you have any thoughts, sort of people-wise, or do you think I've sort of covered it there? No, I think those. I think those names are pretty good that you brought up. I 
there wasn't really anyone that came to mind. It it just I think there really needs to be a real masterstroke of scouting to get someone in who I don't know we may be having in the position to be in getting someone in kind of under the radar from other teams. So there was a guy that scored in the Champions League that uh, supposedly Bruce had marked out for Wednesday uh, and now he's thinking of signing in for Newcastle but if if we've got some of the same scouting team maybe there are some under the under the radar people that we might be able to look at I can't remember the guy's name which is really shoddy I know uh, <laughs> also has um, James Beattie joins Wednesday yet or is that still something that's going through who knows it seems to be just going through it's not there's not been any announcement or oh, when you look up Steve Bruce striker you do um you do hear about his trio of novels that he wrote yes uh, which <laughs> if you're as intrigued by the idea of uh reading a Steve Bruce murder mystery novel uh loosely based on his life as you should be uh all about a protagonist called Steve Barnes who was manager of Leddersfield Town at the time that Steve Bruce was manager of Huddersfield Town um there <laughs> There's a podcast called the uh, Quickly Kevin Will He Score, which is all dedicated to 90s football, and they have covered in great detail the first two in the trilogy of uh, of Steve Barnes novels, and I would highly, highly recommend checking them out. Um, you will have yourself a hilarious hour and a half uh, in, with both episodes. Uh, yeah, so the guy, I've, I've now found it, uh, um, Umbuana Samata, again, yeah, he's, he's scored 32 goals for Genk last season. Uh, and supposedly, his we were looking at him in the summer. Bruce was looking at him for Wednesday. But he's going to go back in for him at uh, Newcastle. But that maybe gives an idea that we've got, we do have some feelers out, you know, for, for some hidden gems, maybe. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. So, are we, we shall we draw this section to a close? Let's do that, yeah. Yeah, I think that would be... Um... If we could get three decent signings in that position, that could really, that could potentially really elevate this team. Cool. Uh, so the next thing we wanted to have a little chat about was if we could change one thing about football to improve it, what would that be? I'm going to go first. It's something we both agree on, I know. Um, and that is the video assistant referee system, which uh, has been implemented all across Europe and is having its own teething troubles in the Premier League right now. It's it's pretty terrible, isn't it, Luke? It is. It is. I, I think beyond teething problems, it's, uh, it's I think it's just shitting itself on a regular basis, Rich. <laughs> the thing is that people talk about it like, oh, when, if we get it right, it'll be good. But I just, I really just wish we could turn back the clock and get rid of the it, whole thing. Uh, because it's I mean if we could turn back time and we could find a way uh, take back those things we said about bringing in VAR yeah yeah as share a share once put it <laughs> well exactly she took the words right out of my mouth uh it must have been when we were uh, slagging off uh, VAR as meatloaf sang ah <laughs> <laughs> uh. I think when I when I think about your jokes, Luke, two out of three ain't bad. Um, <laughs> sorry, this is terrible. This is getting worse. It's a, it's a bad riff to start with, and it gets worse. Oh, um, VAR meatloaf. The, the I'm very conscious that we're 
we're talking about VAR, but really the the main meat and potatoes of this is uh, is going to be your thing that you'd like to change about football. And I I sort of think let's let's stop talking about VAR. And uh, Luke, what would what would you like to change uh, about the game of football to to improve it? The meat to your potatoes is FFP. Yes, which so FFP introduced to supposedly protect clubs and you know prevent teams going out of business it doesn't do that it it doesn't do that at all it does i don't know how it does that by limiting competition and limiting how much money an owner wants to put into a club no which it completely is i'm coming out with this definitely as a sheffield wednesday fan and definitely from that position and what we're looking at this from um but yeah and then and then we also just basically say on paper, you think that's fine as a concept, but then you bring in, you know, the the failure payments, essentially, parachute payments from the Premier League and how that can kind of fund kind of signings and kind of get you out. So the whole nature of any kind of competition is completely savagely unbalanced. It just kind of protects an old guard from the teams that get relegated from the Premier League if they play it right and if they deal with it well enough. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre rule set. So obviously this is, for anybody who's a Sheffield Wednesday fan and has managed to miss the news, the Football League has announced a, uh, that it's going to charge Sheffield Wednesday with some kind of sort of misconduct or misdeed with regards to the sale of the, the ground, to uh, which was all done really to make the books look nice for financial fair play or profit and sustainability reasons. But the thinking behind those rules, as you say, is crazy when you've got teams getting tens of millions of pounds that they're allowed to spend on players that nobody else has access to. (laughs) The only way you get that is by failing in the Premier League. It's a bizarre place to be. And what are the benefits of this rule set? You know, but Barry have gone bust. I don't know that. I don't know that any that that's happened. I can never remember that happening previously. A League One team completely going out of existence and losing their registration in the Football League. And that's all under the auspices of, of financial fair play being there to look after everyone. It just seems crazy. And you're in a position like we are where we've got an owner who wants to put money in and isn't allowed to. So he's trying to scrabble around to find ways of doing it and seems to have tripped up during that journey. Oh, it's, yeah, it's infuriating. We obviously don't know what the punishment will be yet and it's kind of useless to speculate. Uh, All we've had from the club so far is that they will sort of vigorously refute any claims. So we'll see how that goes. But is there even an arbitration panel like do do the football league decide if the football league have been fair in their punishment is that how this works i i believe there's some levels of panels i mean but this is a whole thing like everyone says we hope that it goes quickly it won't because it will just be mired in litigation yeah it will just be go it'll just be run through the courts and this is how football is played these days do you think there's any possibility we could do what QPR did and stave it off long enough to get promoted and therefore it doesn't really matter? Well, I don't know. Like it's so everything about this is is so everything succumbs from this from the sale of the stadium. Yeah. And basically there are 
the logical amounts of sales of the stadium, but that's just complete fiction anyway. So there's two questions, isn't there? They're saying that the 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 fee paid for the stadium was kind of. Uh bolstered beyond the beyond a reasonable fee uh but they're also they're also saying that it's how it's been accounted for is is questionable as well because the sale seems to have happened in a different financial year to the payment uh it's just yeah we can go round and round we don't we the truth is we do not know and at the moment nobody really knows uh but just as a concept the this set of rules is really weird. It don't I don't see who it helps or how it's supposed to help because clubs still go bust, players still don't get paid. Uh, there's no sense of sort of community or camaraderie amongst the clubs. Nobody helped Berry. Nobody's helped Bolton. And you know, if 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 we get some terrible sanction, the other clubs will just a bit like what happened to Rangers. They go, oh well, yeah, serves them right. They shouldn't have done that. We we will, you know, we won't get any support from our fellow teams, even though they've probably done something very similar. I mean, we know that Derby have sold their ground in the same way. Derby, um, Reading, and Aston Villa as well. Who yeah, no longer a part of the you know the Champions well, League, you're... but then who knows? They could be joining. They could be coming back anytime soon. You know, but it, but it encourages the gamble because if you're like QPR or Villa, you take the gamble, you break the rules, but if you get up, you're all right because they can't touch you. It's like uh, Dukes of Hazard. If you get to the edge of the state line, the county lines. You're scot free, you know. <laughs> if you so, you can break yeah, all the laws yeah. you want on the way to the Premier League. As long as you get to the Premier League, if you but if your tire bursts at the playoff uh, section, you're you're screwed because you end up stuck in yeah, stuck in stuck stuck and stuck with the ramifications. It's so it's so crazy to build a system where you you have to gamble to compete with the 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 relegated teams. There's no two ways about it. So unless they are given special rules that stop them applying if 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 we agree that the these payments have to happen these these parachute payments to try and stop a Leeds United to try and stop what happened at Wednesday all those years ago to try and sort of insulate the clubs from that dramatic loss in income which I think to an extent we can see the sense of they're way too high these parachute payments and they should not be allowed to go and then build a Premier League team with those those payments it should be there just to ward off dramatic losses it should almost be that they have to apply for the certain amount and and say what they're spending all on so but this is again like so Here's the situation. Teams get relegated. Basically, football clubs in the Premier League aren't going to manifestly go around to their all of their players and say, we're going to introduce a strategy to reduce the wages of all clubs. So of all of all the players from a club that's being relegated, relegated and goes down to the Football League, it's just not going to happen. So as much as I hate parachute payments, um, maybe parachute payments in some regards need to exist to kind of cushion that blow. Yes, yes. I can see why it was brought in. The thing that I don't get then is the fact that don't hold don't hold the other clubs in the league accountable to the same limit to this limitations, which isn't really that much of a limitation to teams that come down from the Premier League. That's the thing. Yeah. 
because it's not the entirety of it. playing the same game. There's no income stream for football league teams, really. There's a very small TV revenue. There's fans coming in the gate, but there's no extra income stream that you can access. And then the, the Premier League teams come down with this whopping... So, like, my answer is just do away with it. Just we don't need to know. Like, it's, it's not protecting or helping anyone... It was meant to come in to protect teams from, I don't know, like it's just, it's not solving the problem that it's supposed to be solving. No. Because we've seen Berry go belly. The, the teams who are currently going to go down and probably be, go out of business are teams with very difficult, very kind of, very difficult situations and ramifications for the way that they got into that through, through poor ownership. Yeah. So just the parachute payments for, so Cardiff, Fulham, and Huddersfield Town all got 42.5 million extra. Swansea, Stoke, and West Brom got 34, oh, 35 million extra. And Sunderland got 15.5 million extra. Compare that to the the sort of solidarity payments that the Premier League pays to the, the championship. And that is 4.6 million per club. So per it, club. A relegated club is getting 10 times as much. And that will be a huge chunk of the... The the 4.6 million will be a huge chunk of the income for the other clubs as well. It's just... It's clearly designed to... I mean, the the, the end game is that, that the Premier League or certain chairmen within the Premier League would like it to be a closed shop. Like an American league, you never get relegated. We just have the Premier League. And parachute payments beyond that initial usefulness that we talked about to try and prevent awful financial uh, sort of calamities happening, the extra amount of that income really is to try and create a, a lack of churn. You don't have new clubs coming in. You end up with the same 24 or so, 23, 24 teams, and then you draw a, you can draw a line and go, well, these guys could just keep coming up and down every year, so they might as well be in the Premier League, and you guys just stay down there in the Championship. Uh, we, you know, we draw up the ladder and we and we call it quits. Sure, and then probably then what will probably happen then is again when I'm googling things like um, I'm googling things like promising young players. Who are these? Is there are there any are there any peanuts in the turds that is the Premier League reserve teams? Because <laughs> Premier League, Premier League reserve doesn't seem like a very good standard whatsoever. This is the kind of whole argument for players actually developing themselves. <laughs> you know, at championships, at least one and two level, you know, actually gives them a lot better evidence to play competitive football that is meaningful for their development than Premier League reserves. But then becomes the argument of like, basically a lot of kind of Premier League clubs would love the mentality of what they do in Spain with like Barcelona B or like the reserve teams, you know, having a B team that then plays in the football league. Which they would love, and I'm sure they would also love what through the the JPT through the um, yeah yeah what the football league trophy effectively yeah that's the that's the thin end of the wedge isn't it in that regard they yeah they've inserted B teams into a competition where it should just be league teams. Which is, so, which I mean, is is good for the development of players and good for the future of, I don't know, potentially, largely because this is England, you know, of English England's future players. However, but this just basically just backs up the argument of basically the mentality and and you know poaching youngsters with why it's not profitable to ever have an academy these days. Well, yeah, it's two things, isn't it? Because. I, 
I I think it incentivizes talent farms like Chelsea, which I, I don't think has helped English football. No, no, it hasn't. Chelsea buy up every single promising youngster in the in the world, it seems, and they sit there and don't play any football. Mm. I mean, okay, you could go, oh well, the nice thing, you, like you say, you could go, well, that's good then that they get to play in the EFL trophy. Well, what it's done is completely ruin that t- t- tournament because clubs. It was never particularly well liked, but now the club, the league clubs, boycott it. Fans don't go along because they don't want to sit and watch Man City's reserves pump their team. It's no fun for anybody. I mean, it's what happens in the in the uh, league cup half the time anyway. Um, so why they need to make it all official, I don't really know. But then you've also clubs don't get rewarded. Lower league clubs don't get rewarded for producing youngsters anymore. Yeah. I mean, look, if we look at what happened with George Hurst, that was absolutely the worst of all worlds. But even that was to avoid paying us a pretty paltry sum that Leicester would have had to pay for George Hurst and some built-in, you know, if he does X, Y, and Z, we get some more money. But to avoid even that, <laughs> they've gone round the houses with their, their sort of sister club or cousin club. But that was that was a classic case of the Premier League forcing its you know, sort of flexing its muscles and the Football League just having to accept it because what they what they threatened was if the FA didn't sign up to the Premier League's new rules on signing young players, yeah, that they wouldn't pay that solidarity payment anymore. So for every championship team, you'd be losing the best part of five million pounds, which nobody can really afford to do. And and it's it, it drops down when you go lower down the leagues, but it's still a big chunk of their income. You know, two million yeah. here and a, a million there, which then is super worthwhile in an FFP situation, right? Yeah, but what it doesn't help is why would you know why why are we scouring you know playgrounds and Sunday league and whatever else to get promising youngsters that we just don't get any reward for for developing. Mm. It's just, I don't know, it's very broken, that system. I mean, you look at what's happened with Hurst and uh, Sean Clare. Those are two young players that that potentially would have been quite, you know, had quite an exciting part to play at Sheffield Wednesday if they stayed. Claire probably regular football. I thought it would be interesting seeing Claire within a kind of 4-3-3. You know, I think it's probably something that more kind of drive before we brought Luongo in, you know? But he seems to have gone pretty far astray at, at, at Hearts, um, I believe. Yeah. His, his, yeah. Team, his name gets booed when the team's read out and stuff. Uh, so, but so it's like, but that was that was a gamble. It was a short term thing that he's, you know, he's gone and made more money than we were offering him, presumably. But would he have had a better career if he'd stayed and been been brought through? kind of a natural pace who knows but the same thing with Hurst he's kind of had a derailed at a young age he's completely wasted two or three years of his career uh either kind of rotting in our reserves because of the fallout and then going to you know the back end of nowhere in Belgium and not pulling up any trees so you go from being a promising youngster to to kind of who Maybe he he's still got time, but it's it's just weird. But that, that that's a kind of microcosm that must be happening everywhere because it's not worth our while paying big wages to young players because we know that they can get better wages everywhere else. Yeah, it's really tough, um, and it all feeds into being in a in a pretty terrible situation. So that's a happy uh, happy place to be, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. We've just got to wait and see, haven't we? I, I hope that the the kind of worst case scenario is uh, is a kind of doom and gloom monger uh, telling of things, and and it doesn't end up being that. But uh, oh, we'll see, we'll see. I suppose they don't need to make. Uh, there's no timings on when they have to make a decision. So. Uh, it puts Monk and the team in a very tricky position. Well, this was exactly the same thing with Birmingham City, wasn't it? Was it last year or the year before? I, I can't yeah. remember now. But basically, Birmingham City were pretty close to the top six mix. They were. I think they were. Yeah, they were pretty much where we we are now. Yeah, six and I, I think in the, the end play, it didn't it didn't make a difference at the end, but it it does still make a difference. It makes a difference to how the players approach it and how they play the game. And what your intention is, and I'm sure Birmingham City probably could well be in top six that season. Well, for, put look at it in our position. So, if the same thing happens to us that we receive a kind of whopping great uh, points deduction, what it wastes is the finite number of years of contracts and and good playing time that some of those players have, because it means that this year is a complete waste. So all this, you know, we've talked several times about getting the best, you know, getting the juice from this be- the, the, these these berries, and in some cases these are berries that are, you know, on the turn or 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 maybe even fully past their prime. But like, we'll never get another season of Sam Hutchinson being this good. He's going to be worse next year. Potentially, you could say the same thing for somebody like Barry Bannon. You know, this might be as good as it gets and this might have been the one chance to get that last squeeze out of him Stephen Fletcher uh, all these characters that's a that's a finite thing they've only got so many playing good playing years left in them and having a, a season effectively wiped out is uh, it's just unsalvageable there's nothing you can do to get that back yeah tough tough times mm. hopefully um, hopefully they find the, the receipt that Makes it all worth all fine and uh, go away. That'd be nice. Is, is that even a possibility? I've got very limited knowledge of accountancy. <laughs> but the deal was effectively the deal was effectively ratified by auditors, right? Well, it would have been, yeah. So I don't know. It's just it's it's absolute nonsense. The whole thing. The whole thing is just oh. do away with FFP. Well, there you go. Another fun international break. <laughs> Keeping it chirpy, <laughs> keeping it light here on different gravy. <laughs> uh, I suppose the 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 the, <laughs> the silver lining is that the season has gone so well so far. So we're in a position where if an unfortunate thing happens and we do lose, do have points deducted, we should be in a reasonably strong position to survive the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though that is in in and of itself a fairly depressing. Uh, road to be going down. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we should probably just we should probably stop uh, going round in circles on this and uh, and uh, let people get back to their lives. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Well, then um, I hope you have a, a a wonderful week, Luke, full of joy and uh, glee, and uh, you don't have to ponder FFP and profit and sustainability too much. <laughs> I hope the same for you, Rich. We hope that for all. Uh, yeah. Well, cheerio. Oh, see you next week, Rich. <laughs> For another happy, happy, joy, joy. Cheers. <coughs> oh, that's that. Oh, oh not again. Oh. <laughs>